Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <clears throat> it's good. I still have my same problem of not being able to hear myself in my headphones, but should I can we, hear you loud and clear. Oh, should, should we try and run that down? No, no. It's just, it's just one of those American problems. One of those American problems. Yeah, yes. you know, in, in Europe do, they don't do. have these problems. Really? Oh, I'm probably sure. Because of the the old, old, old oldness of the land. Well, the old ways, but also, you know, they're early adopters of new technologies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm just out here in the West, the Wild West, just sort of suffering through, just muddling through. Well, yeah, yeah, that's it. I feel bad for you, man. You, you can't even, I mean, our listeners get to hear what you sound like, but, but you don't. You know, it's funny, the lack of feedback in terms of being able to hear yourself amplified even though i can hear myself fine i'm here in the room with myself yes um it's just it's a little bit uh it's it just makes you wonder you know am i doing a good job is this is this good enough am i good enough am i good enough am i good enough i was thinking more of the inconvenience i I have a very low tolerance for inconvenience i don't like to talk about it publicly but yeah yeah i know you know am i am i boris good enough you're good enough for me Thank you. Wait, which one's he? Is that, is that the guy? Is that the guy in uh, Die Hard? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Long, I, blondish. You know, he's, straw a, he's also in Witness. Oh yes, right. Mm-hmm. And 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 he's an Amish. I think he's an Amish, and uh, <laughs> he's a, a Mennonite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, what, you know, what's he, going on down there? What? How are you? Oh, are you your headphones gosh. are working. Everything's working. Well, you know, I'd complain, but who'd listen? Mm, mm. You know? From your mouth to my ears. If you could hear me, you hear me, right? I hear you great. But, you know, but I don't know whether, how much of that is just psionics. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that, does that depend on your character class? It does, but I'm, you know, I'm a mage, so. I'm trying to remember who has good psionics. What do you, what do you need for Magic psionics? users? Magic users. Maybe do clerics have psionics? I bet they do. You know, lots change now, John. That's true. So, uh, mages and, uh, and, and uh, bishops might have had psionics in our day, but nowadays? Oh, I think a lot has changed. I, 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 don't, I don't follow the trades. No. But I have a, uh, a 16-year-old son who plays D&D. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It's I mean it's a gateway drug, of course. Yeah, I think everything's a gateway drug if you like drugs enough. Yeah. No, he uh yeah, but I mean it's I'm just, you know, it's it's all I can do to stay out of the way, of course. But you know, everything's different. They got a whole different D D now. There's a a lot of things have changed. And a lot of the strictures under which you and I dwelt, hmm. I think those strictures have been uh they 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 I had some mix em ups. They moved some things around. Mm-hmm. The, we we dwelt it, dwelt it under uh, different strictures. We paradise in our wake. Yes, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. You know, yeah, I'm looking like out the window. He's a cleric. Yeah, sorry, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. No, no. I was just going to say that I was, I was taking the metaphor even further. Oh, sorry. I was looking out the window at the leaves changing. Everything's changing. Merlin, it's another season. It's a, it's a time uh, to every purpose. Turn, turn, turn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is that, Ecclesiastes? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Pete Seeger. Yes, and the Monster Manual, Volume 1. 
Yeah, they did the manual. <laughs> they did the monster manual. <laughs> I, uh, we're getting older. We're getting older, yeah. you and me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's changed. They call it fifth edition. It's all different. I don't want to talk about this, but my kid's a cleric. And I just, I don't, would never say this to his face, but his, uh, his numbers are shit. Oh, did he just roll bad character numbers or is it something else? Well, there's a thing. I don't know if this is like official and it depends a lot on the DM, you know, yeah. but like, like time was, cause you wanted to have good characters. You'd let people do stuff like roll four and roll, th- uh, you know, uh, four D D six and throw out the low one was one. Throw of out the low do. one. Did you ever That's do it. that? Uh, you know, it, it became very, quite clear to us pretty early, I think, that you just throw away anything that doesn't work, and then everybody's got, a, did? everybody's got a 17 or 18 everything oh. and, with a couple of 21s. Yeah, slap 20 levels on that person, pretty, pretty soon yeah. you're, you're out there exploring a spaceship. You and know, then you're having fun. Then you're not the one that's like limping along. Oh, I got no John Roderick, we can't talk about this the whole episode, but I'm I'm prepared to tell you that based on what I have gleaned mm-hmm. ab- about mm-hmm. these about these numerous changes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one that I think is a, a salutary change is um, it's more about having fun and storytelling. Oh, fun and storytelling. You know, it's just, it's just like our show. It's all about having fun and fun storytelling. And, fun and storytelling. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You throw out all the dice you want. I mean, I mean you know, and I, I go around. Well, you know what? I can't get into it. I can't. What's get your it. constitution? It's got to be well. You're, you've got a low constitution, but you've got a high. Uh, I dexterity. threw out. I, I rolled four. I threw out the lowest, and I still got three. I I found out something interesting at a swim meet yesterday, which is that you know every swim meet has three timers per lane. So each okay. swimmer has three timers standing okay. there with, with stopwatches. Oh, and a timer is a, is, is a sensei person with a watch. Yeah, exactly. Where, where, <gasps> oh, where I'm fascinated like, by stuff like this. Tell me about this. They're like, ready, go. And then the swimmers all jump in, and all three people click their stopwatches at the same time. And then they're all leaning over the end of the lane as the swimmer arrives. And as soon as they touch the wall, they all three click their clickers. And according to a, a person I know who scores the meets, mm-hmm. almost never do any two timers have the same time. Which gets us to an interesting question then, which is how do you operationalize that? Do you pick? Do you average them? Do you pick the middle one? They pick the middle. But, okay. All right. And but so you, there's, no, swimmers, there's no arithmetic. Uh, no. Okay. The swimmers are beating each other uh, by tenths of a second, mm. uh, but they're just taking the middle of three timers. So, you know, when hmm. two swimmers touch the wall at the exact same moment, hmm. I, I, I don't know, you know, tenth of a second here, tenth of a second there. Pretty soon that uh, adds up to real money. It really does. And I was astonished by that. Like, no two of the three ever are just, like, dead on the money? No. And that's just just with the clock, right? They're not like hitting some kind of like cyber disc that sends a signal to the watch. It's nope. a person with eyes who says person click. With eyes. eyes and ears. Bah is when they start and then they touch the wall and that's when it ends. So you have to have both eyes and ears to do it. This might be outside of your pay grade or above it or beside mm-hmm. it. But um, does that compound to mean bigger differences over numerous laps? Oh, well, they only do the race. I don't think they count the laps. Well, but I mean, like, okay, so, like, you, you go in, you're going to do so many meters, but don't you have to do, like, you got to get to the end, you got to touch base, you go mm. back the other way. You might do four of those, yeah. right? If you're going to do, gonna do oh, a, a 100 in a 25 pool, yeah, four of them. Sure. Yes. Yes. Right. Huh. 
And you're satisfied with that? Well, I guess you don't no. get a vote. I mean, in the Olympics, I guess they do it with laser beams. Yes. Uh, but uh, but here at the you know at the club level, you just you just do what you do, and but it just it felt like. That was a useful piece of information for me, too. I walked away from that going, huh, three timers, take the middle one, and that's the uh, – I'm that fascinated. Goes on your I'm, I'm abs- Yes, mm-hmm. and I think this stuff is crazy interesting. Well, there's another thing that feels like it's been happening for years. I don't follow sports. But my sense is, even since I was a little kid, remember at the bottom of the screen, it would say, like, Longines time, it's this many seconds. And, like, over the years, it felt like – the grouping would get tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it matters know. more and more those those uh, portions of a second. Well, there's less and less time all the time because we keep using it up. There's less time because we're using it up. And where does mm-hmm. it go? That's what well, Michael Stipe asks. <laughs> I mean, I when you throw goes, time away, where is away? <laughs> I think where it goes is back into the quantum pool. You know, it's quantum is just a hopper. It's a Quant- time hopper. Uh-huh. It's quantum is a time hopper. You can't hopper. look at it, because if you look at it, that screws up the time. Well, yeah, I think. Is that Max right? Planck? Who said that? Looking at it makes it change its nature from time to, to alt, alt time. Because of light. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so when quantum you when pool. We use up- A pool when- for the pool. Well. It's, a, it's man, a time pool for swimming pool. Listen, I'm not a I'm not a scientist. Well, you but do, I do right. know you do I pretty do know well. that your reckons we, are pretty strong a lot of the as time. As we move through time, the used up time goes back into the time pool. Uh, but that only means for us that there's less and less time up ahead. Oh, that I think is true. Yeah. Well, and so that's why sports time keeps getting shorter and shorter. That's why they had to put in the time clock, you know, the pitch clock in baseball. Can you, are you, I'm not asking you to explain it yet, but would you be able to explain to me what those changes are in baseball? Do you understand those changes? Oh, I mean, they're not that complicated. It's just that in the old days. It's like a shot clock in basketball. You've got to throw your pitch this long after we, after we're back in play. Yeah. You've got to throw your pitch in thus and such many seconds, right? In old baseball, both the pitcher and the batter had to adjust their underwear three or four times, and the batter would step out of the batter's box and walk around and, you know. A lot of ritual, a lot of ritual. Yeah, people patting their hair and touching their wallets and stuff. And now it's got to get done in a a tight handful of seconds. Mm -hmm. And everybody was talking about how it was going to ruin baseball. Oh, it ruins baseball because all that wallet touching is like key to the game. Right, because you know, baseball is really ultimately about family. It's about family and storytelling. Storytelling, fun. Yes, it's about having fun and storytelling. How would your family. stories do if somebody started putting a clock on you? <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd have a lot more fifteen-minute episodes. Mm. But that, uh, that pool's not going to fill itself. <laughs> but uh, as far as I can tell, every single person I I know or hear talk about baseball. Uh, nobody's got a problem with the shot clock. They all think it's great. Now that it's happening, they got used to it. Well, yeah, they got, not only did they get used to it, but they're like, why weren't we doing this all along? Baseball games are like really fun now. When I was a kid, when I was a youngster, baseball games were shorter. Oh, you think so? I do. I do. Well, okay. So at least in my head, I used to, I didn't follow football any more than I followed all sports, which was a little, but Mm. I followed baseball. Like I knew. All all sports, that's what you put in Chinese food. Yes, exactly. Right. 
Mm. Okay. <laughs> Problem is, you want to play again an hour later. And... Oh! No, that was you. You said that. Uh, I just teed I, it up. I remember as a kid, it seemed like uh, football games felt like they were three hours long. They were usually okay. like three hours long. And I sure. think of a baseball game as being about an hour and a half, two hours. Whoa! You have a different memory than I do. I thought baseball games were seven hours long. I guess it depends. D it depends on, on whether or not you want to go back to talking to your wife or not. You know what I mean? Mm. A three-hour-long football game, you're, you don't have to talk to the wife for three hours. Mm -hmm. hmm. Seven-hour-long baseball game. I bet she's a little relieved. If we're being honest, she's probably a little relieved, too. Oh, she couldn't be happy. Hates that pitch clock. She's in the kitchen with the other wives, and they're talking about yeah. souffles. Chicken, chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. <laughs> <laughs> Make, making those uh, totinos for their hungry boys. Did I ever tell you? I, I, I was a member of a little gang here that, that would meet at somebody's house for uh, watch football games. And they were all just the most, you know, progressive, forward-thinking, hipster people, you know. Uh, and T they were all Touching upon indie rock, friends? Touching upon indie rock friends, they were all uh, married and married to like, uh, you know, the, the rockers were married to artists and intellectuals and vice mm. versa. And uh, we would start, we'd start watching the game and it would segregate instantly. Like boys on the TV screaming at the TV, boys on the couch screaming at the TV and uh, the women in the kitchen. Uh, all talking, you know, talking about oh, stuff. Oh, believe you know, me, that I talking, <laughs> that one I <laughs> talking and talking. Oh my God, they're always talking. And I only wanted to be in the kitchen. Of I course, to be in the that's where the food is. Well, it's where the food is and where the talking is. That's, I don't yeah. want to be. I got nothing to say to a television. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to yell at it. But I you also, to... yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't get in the way of it, right? Like you can't, right. you can't. Like I, I tried. To, I was this guy most of my life because I'm how I am. But eventually. And like, don't yuck on somebody's yum. Yeah. You know, you just at least stay out. Keep moving, get out of the way, right? You got to like stay out of the way of the enjoyment of the game. If you can't go along, then you should probably bounce. But I would bounce to that kitchen. But you know how it is when even even a group of friends, when you get in that situation and you're sitting next to them on the couch and you're like and you're like jostling elbows and 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 you're the one that's you're the one that says, "What's the offsides rule again?" And you're just a wet, you're just a cup of wet coffee in the lap of everybody around you, because they, whether they know what the offsides rule is or not, they're not gonna, that this isn't the time to talk about it. Yeah. And I'm always like, how many? How? Wait a minute. Why? I thought it was a first down. Like I'm just, I eventually they just squeeze me off the couch. Mm -hmm. I know just enough to ask the ask the questions that I think are. Do they say stuff like, "Why don't you see if the girls need some help"? <laughs> so close so close like hey fill this up for me you know and yeah. i'm like i'm i'm happier in the kitchen i really am it's interesting in there mm -hmm. <laughs> me too so, so. i'm a mama's boy i mean I, I always well two things to know about me i was a mama's boy but also i mean within normal parameters but also i always would prefer to go like where the adult conversations were well, but then, but then, of course, in the kitchen, I'm the one that's like, ha, 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 did you notice that all the boys are there and all of us, all of us gals are in here? Isn't that funny? Yeah. And then that's not a welcome comment either. You know, that's not a... You need a third location. I do. And the third location was in my car, <laughs> in my car on the way home. You know, eventually I just yeah. was not, it's like, oh, football on Sundays is not where I belong. Uh, did, hmm. I have I have a a, a, a gander a reckon a question. Don't people bet on sports? Like, oh, they sure do. A lot now. They even bet on pretend sports. 
because oh. because you take a you take a team, you oh, take players like, like a proposition bet, right? Well, no, you put them together in fake teams that don't oh, really yeah, exist, course, and then you bet on your fake team mm-hmm. against other people's fake teams. Oh, they it's bet like D and D for baseball, right? Because you could say like I I picked up uh, I don't know I don't know, <laughs> I don't know any current players. I got Pete Rose this week. Yeah. He did he he performed thus and such. And then, because you're not just, you're playing players, not a team, right? And that's the nature of the stats. Stats. Yeah. Stats. It's a game of numbers, they say. It's a game of numbers. And when those numbers get used up, they go back into the quantum pool. Do you think, hmm, do do you agree that, well, well, hmm, hmm. See, I'm I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. But my sense is a lot of people bet on sports. One reason I say that is I see a lot of commercials and various kinds of advertisements for things that let you bet on sports. Right. Oh, oh! I'm not. I'm not seeing those commercials. Okay. Well, like if you watch a baseball game, or you watch a football game, or in my case, I I wouldn't talk about it, but I watch basketball games, and sure. you'll just see endless ads for these different things. And there's like, oh, and come and join up, and you get this much uh, money down, and like we're gonna give you free bet money, and like I wonder if people have gotten more serious about it now that there's a lot more people who even semi publicly have money riding on it. Well, you know, it used to be illegal to gamble. That's true. Do, do you remember in America when it was illegal to gamble most places? I remember when bingo was about the only betting thing that was legal. And that's just, you know, that's because of the papal see. Exactly, right? It's mm-hmm. it's for Jesus, but but uh but it betting was for Jesus. <laughs> yes. It was until very recently you could only gamble in Las Vegas and uh and then and then Atlantic City and then at some point during our lifetimes they made it uh they they decided that on the reservations they could have casinos mm-hmm. and then that took off and there's some paramutual like i think in New York like right. you can go to like a betting window go to right? the, go to the horse track yeah and then right. they had that funny thing where uh, they realized that if they put a boat in the Mississippi and it was only connected with a causeway or something they could claim it was it was in some sort of uncharted waters. I think as long as you're wearing a straw boater, a straw boater. If you're wearing, if you're, if you're wearing a straw hat, I think you're allowed to bet. And now it just seems like you can bet anywhere. Because it's a, even, isn't it a lot of wink nudge kind of stuff? Maybe I don't when know. The, when the internet first started, there was all that like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is betting. We can't have this. And I think that all just, <clears throat> I don't know. It's one of those where there, everybody's using different rules all the time. Well, there's also. I mean, I don't want to get us into topics that are going to get us in trouble, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I, f- I feel really fortunate that I'm not addicted to needle drugs and I'm not into gambling. Good That's I, I, I'm. I mean, I can play basic strategy, blackjack. Uh, you know, I, I I've done that. Uh, I know how to like, that's the only thing I would ever play like for money is blackjack. Cause it's the only one where you, one of the few ones where you have a chance. And also, I mean, like I don't chase my money. One thing I, t- I was taught, when well, first time we went to Las Vegas, my lady friend and I, I learned a trick at the time, and this is back when people used money for things, and you would have your, your regular money in one pocket and then your gambling money in the other pocket. And the idea was, if you've got $100 in your gambling pocket, title, if you've got $100 in your gambling pocket, when that $100 is gone, you're donezo. You don't oh, touch the, if your right pocket, I sound like Howard Hughes, but the right pocket that's got your gambling money in it, when you're out of that, you're done. You've set aside that much money for this gambling session. And then you don't go to the ATM. You don't, you certainly don't go into your left pocket. Right. And, and then yeah. you, you stop at that point. Cause otherwise, you know, the phrase chasing your money, right? Like where you're good you, money after bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, this happened on a recent, not recent, a 20-year-old episode of uh, Six Feet Under I was watching, where, where the mom is kind of chasing her money at the track, and she ends up losing several thousand dollars. I think you get, you get a little wild when you're, if you're a gambling person, woof. Woof. I, uh, I, uh, I think I've told this story before, but, you know, in Anchorage, there were, uh, there were like, <clears throat> what would you call them? Speakeasies, back, back alley gambling parlors, and they would throw them up into, you know, they'd take over some house. They'd bring in a bunch of machines and, uh, you know, one-armed bandits. I'm thinking and of the sting. I'm, I'm imagining they've got like a ticker tape. Somebody's making a sound with bats. That it's very much like that, except Anchorage in the 80s, which is mm. pretty sleazy and, you know, and in a house like in yeah. Spinard. And it was, it really was a thing where you had to knock on the door three times. And I wasn't. A person that went to those uh, things or really even, you know, I mean, in Alaska, at that point in time, everything was happening. And so it seemed like, oh, sure, there are gambling parlors and there's also like there's the street prostitution, but there's also the nicer prostitution. And then there's the real nice prostitution. And I was always like, I don't know. I just kind of want to ride my bike. Mm -hmm. uh, but one night. I was with a group of people, and one of the people was just slightly more into the into the uh, let's go find the illegal gambling parlor. And we went up a flight of stairs and knocked on a door three times, and it opened, and it was a full-on casino in there in a house. Oh, wow. And, you know, ding, 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 like rows and rows of... of, uh, of <laughs> they brought in one-armed bandits? They did. They had all the, the, the slot machines, and they had poker tables. And there was, you know, like a big guy at the door that said, what's the password, all this stuff. And so I'm in there and I'm just way out of my depth. Like, wow, I don't, I don't want to do I'm any of this. I'm not even sure how to have fun someplace like that. But, but, you know, my fun is lean against the wall and watch everybody go. Yeah, right. And I, so I was having a good time leaning against the wall, watching everybody go. And my, I'm with my sister. And this is pretty early on in, in a time when she and I, were, we were getting used to socializing with each other in a larger group. Outside, always, outside of a family context? Well, she'd always been younger, and my mm -hmm. friends, in mm -hmm. her estimation, my friends were totally square, just lame. And her, and in my estimation, her friends were like greasy skaters and <laughs> losers, you know? Yeah. But then our worlds collided at a certain point, I think, because I started using drugs. And so then it was mm. like, oh, now I'm hanging out with these skaters because they've, the, they've got all the cheap drugs. Mm -hmm. And here, here's my sister, and she wasn't really into drugs, but the... She liked the skater boys. Anyway, we're, we're getting used to being in, at parties with one another. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time we got stoned with one another. The joint was going around the, the circle. And when it got to my sister, I couldn't bear to watch. I looked away mm. when she smoked pot. And then it came back to me and I smoked some pot. And then later on, we bumped into each other uh, at the, somewhere in the house. And we went into the bathroom together and sat in there just la just stoned laughing, you know. Like, Aww, <laughs> that's kind of nice. It was sweet. It was a little bit of a like, oh, my God, we're at the same party and we're stoned. Ha, ha, ha. We had fun. And after that, it was easy. Okay. But I walked over and she's at this slot machine and she is just zoned in. And she's pulling that, she's pulling that, uh, that arm and the thing's going ding, 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 ding. And she's got a bucket. They all have buckets, you know. Uh-huh. Like paint pockets. Yeah. And 
And she's I thought, that's what when we went to Las Vegas in the year two thousand. That's when we were going. We went downtown because you know the, the the slots are looser downtown. Oh, looser! We, I don't know if you remember the comedian Marty Allen. No. Um, we went to see the comedian. You can Google him; you'll immediately recognize him from like laughing and stuff. We went to see a live show with Marty Allen, and out on the line, my wife she got a big old bucket full of nickels. And, a bucket and, full and of nickels. She started calling her nickels. I called her nickels as recently as yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Nickel, isn't that a sweet name? That's a cute name. Yeah. Well, so so Susan was she was winning, and the machine was just kicking out quarters like really? crazy, just crazy. And so I go over to where some big guy is standing by the door, and I say, "Give me a bucket." And I get a bucket, and I go over, and I start scooping quarters out of her machine into a sep- a second bucket. And she's trying to bat my hand away with her hand, like, stop it, get out of there. Uh, that's that's my bucket. She, but she's so zoned in on the machine that she's just feeding quarters. She's got no time to get up and fight me. And I'm scooping quarters. And she keeps winning. This machine's just pouring money out. And so I fill up a bucket with quarters. She keeps playing the game. I am scray. I'm like, I'm out. Take the bucket of quarters with her. Ooh. She stayed with her friends, played until all her quarters were gone. She hmm. put all those quarters back into the machine, lost them all in the end. Uh-huh. And then she came home, and the next day, I went into her room, and I was like, here's your bucket of quarters. And it was a, it was a lot of money. <gasps> and she said, so, so, so wait, it's like, it's like that, uh, that poem, Footprints. Like you, you scooped away her quarters to like to save her a little bit. Yes, because you kept her steak going the way that uh, Charlie Utter does with Wild Bill in Deadwood. Sure. Yes. Sure. Just like we used sweeping said. away, sweeping away the quarters so Susan has something for a steak. So the next day she had all this money. Whereas if I had left those quarters in her bucket, she would have just put them all in the machine and they all would have been gone. It's a bad bucket. So you have to just take half of the money or whatever, put it in your right pocket, or in this case, in a bucket that your brother got. Yes. And the, but you have to let your brother do it. Yeah, you, you know. Or My just system assumes so- two pockets. There might be more pockets, I but I think I think the main thing is that like this is this is the gambling pocket, and then this is everything else. But boy, you're a good friend. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, you can, you can judge whether or not I'm a good friend because I've been your friend for all these years. Let's, good friend? Let's, let's, yeah, let's, keep, yeah, let's keep the thread friend? open for now. Yeah, okay. Good, good-ish I mean, friend. you haven't Somewhere in between. harmed me as actively as you could, and I'm grateful for that. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. I'm just glad you let me in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've never taken a bucket and filled... Or, or, or have I? Or have I, I taken mm-hmm. a bucket and filled it from your slots? I wouldn't know. And I wouldn't well, check because I don't want to know. That's that's I mean in a in the in a twenty year friendship, if yeah. you haven't taken some if you haven't taken some coin and then and then poured it out on your bed the next day at some point probably well, we have. Bitcoin angels probably we've <laughs> each done it for one another, and the and because at the time you're like hey what are you doing yeah and then later on you go oh but maybe you don't you become like a designated pocket. Or designated yeah, I mean, bucket. My sister doesn't call me quarters. <laughs> She's probably forgotten entirely that I say that I made her a hundred bucks that night. You know, but she could call. She could easily call me quarters as an affectionate thing. Nichols, hey, quarters. Nichols is cute. I, 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 I see. But the thing is, like sometimes I'll go to I'll go to the I'll get a big gulp or I'll go to the ATM at, at the Seven Eleven and and there's a there's a fella there's a several fellas who are pretty much just like always there. 
And so, you, have you been to you've been to Las Vegas, right? You've been to like Las Vegas or Atlantic City, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, what do they call it? There? They got Kino, you know, right? Where you could be anywhere, you could be eating a meal and playing Kino. It's like, it's like scratch and sniff, kind of like scratch and sniff tickets. But yeah. like, yeah, there's there's a guy who's there all day, like he's just always there, staring up at the screen, and like I I wonder how he does at that. Because he's doing, okay, so what I'm trying to say without saying it is like, I don't know. I've heard some stuff about the way lotteries work, you know, like. Yeah, that it's, it's not a tax as good. on the poor. Well, and that, I don't know if this is accurate, but I've heard it said that, well, it's not like you're getting extra money because of the gambling. You're getting that money to basically just break even. It's not like there's some great windfall coming into the school system because of that. It's basically how you top off the glass with regard to education budget. I don't know if that's accurate, but yeah, I'm not a fan of that stuff. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good idea. And I don't, I hate to seem like I'm being a scold, but like, I think if it hadn't been for all of these lotteries, we wouldn't have normalized gambling as much as we have. Oh, you're saying it's the public lotteries. It's the, uh, it's the state lotteries. The I mean, that you put an 800 number on there and say, well, if you have a problem, call this number. But like, do you, do you ever, when it gets up to be $3 billion or whatever, do you ever buy a, one of the tickets? Never. Never? Well, ask me if anybody in the, else in the house does. Oh, what about nickels? Sometimes, sometimes when it gets high enough, <laughs> Nichols goes out and buys a ticket. I'll notice a couple yellow tickets on the fridge because Nichols thought, well, why not? <laughs> Nichols bought a Tickles. Nichols but me many more problems. Yeah, well, but you know, for a while there, when it got up, I, you know, it didn't ever used to be. You, see, but you've thought about this, right? Doesn't this go back to a conversation from a few weeks ago? What were we talking about? What would you do with what was your figure? A billion dollars? Yeah. What would you? Was that you? Yeah. Didn't you and say I, you you were surprised? I never think about what I would do with that. Is that right? Is what, that this show? I, that was this show, I, right? What I, earlier today, okay. I started looking up how they constructed the Great Pyramid of Giza, and I'm not sure why. But I was like, now, wait a minute. Ha- hasn't modern technology given us some insight? They're not still thinking that they I feel like just- I've seen specials on that. Yeah, it's not ancient aliens. Nobody was pulling those things up with mules. Like, how is this really done? And I'm reading about it, and I'm realizing they still don't know. A lot of you theories. get enough Judeans, and you can pull some stone. That's right. That's Well, it's the Judeans' people front. That, no, the people's that, front. I can never remember which is which. Splitters. Splitters. Bloody splitters. Anyway, but I, but I, I realized this morning... It, thinking back, hearkening back to our conversation, if yeah. I had a billion dollars, I'd build myself a, a great pyramid. You, wait a minute. Think about that for a second. We're not talking about the Luxor pyramid in Las Vegas. No, we're talking about go out to the playa where they have their burning man, yeah. but build yourself They're a They're only there for like pyramid. a week a year. Yeah, think about what, what happened when they came the following year and there was limestone pyramid oh the size of the Great goodness. Pyramid of Giza. How the fuck would that, I mean, talk about like tripping balls, right? It'd be a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of questions. And doesn't that seem like, 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 uh, like 2000 years from now, they're not going to be talking about Jeff Bezos, Mm. but they're still going to be wondering how that pyramid got out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you know, you just scratch your little Kilroy's here at the top and let them worry about it. Would you... I mean, the, the problem, I, this is a leading question, but like, would you then be there for the Burning Man event? What's it called? Uh, Rock City? What do they call it? No, Sandville? I don't think so. I, you, wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't be there to like, can, see, I, I imagine you in the same way that you would, remember your old, old idea for selling your clothes on eBay and having a card for each one about the story? Yeah. Would you be there to describe 
the pyramid, or do you say, uh, as Iris DeMint says, let the mystery be? It's all about having fun and telling stories. Huh. And, I feel, and I feel like oh, people have again. a lot of John, fun. John, again, stories. 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 I'm going to write stories. that down. Stories. Stories. You know, when we talk about content creation now, which mm. we do every minute of every day, it's really about stories and having fun. Mm-hmm. I w- I've been thinking about this. I don't want to. I've managed to avoid Burning Man, and it's not that I intentionally avoided it. I just <laughs> really. Avoid, I just I just managed to avoid it by mm. not seeking it out. It's like oh, a lot. I've of, actively avoided it. It's it's like converting to Judaism. If you don't mm. seek it out, it's not going to come find you, right? Burning Man's not not like frantically trying oh, to sell a, tickets. There's a dearth of evangelists actively trying to bring you into the tribe, so to speak. There are, I have Burning Man adjacent people all around me, but they have never identified me as, as Burning Man curious. Right. And so, and I dated, you know, when I was going out with Shanti, 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 Shanti in 2000, in the year mm. 2000, Shanti said, ah, Burning Man, you know, has jumped the shark. <laughs> and I said, really? And she was like, yeah, I went like six years in a row, but. Uh, I bet people were it, saying that in 1988. Well, or whatever, yeah. Right. yeah it was better when it was on Baker Beach. Man. She was like, she was like, in 1996, it was killer, but now it's just a bunch of tourists, and that was whatever, 23 years ago. So, but what I'm realizing, yeah, is once I build my pyramid, you know, the stories, the stories beget stories, and the stories, oh. I don't, it's, it's and like, now you got a place to put them. They go into the quantum pool. The quantum, right, so, was there a quantum pool in, inside the pyramid as you're planning it? Well, that's one of the theories. Mm-hmm. That's one of the theories that, that hmm. the way they got those stones up there was a series of internal quantum pools. They would ra- they'd raise up the stone within the, within the pools. There's another Bootstrap theory. paradox. Yeah, there's another theory. I, this is my new favorite theory. Okay. That the limestone blocks are actually ground-up limestone that were, that were reconstituted as limestone concrete. So the blocks aren't blocks they're 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 made they were hmm. there's like a slurry taken up there oh, poured into okay. a mold uh-huh. and they're building and more modern sort of concrete uh, in a concrete in a concrete mm-hmm. fashion and ground up concrete slurry made into blocks apparently is indistinguishable from limestone unless you use a microspectrometer or something mm-hmm. but then of course all the haters are like no boo so yeah. Anyway, inconclusive, inconclusive. I, I, I'm, I'm not done, unless you want to be done. I'm here to tell you, I watched a, uh, what did I watch? It might have been uh, James Burke. I'm, I'm so gay bones for James Burke. But I was watching something about the pyramids in the last year or so. And yeah. apparently it's pretty remarkable how the dimensions work. As in like this, I remember in particular, like one, one side of this, one face of this is like exactly this particular, like all four sides of this. It's not as simple. I think this is back when they would like have rope with knots in it to figure out how long something was. But like, there are still some things about the pyramids, I think that are considered fairly unique for the time. Somebody said, uh, somebody said in one of these things I was reading that, uh, that they are uh, accurate to a tolerance that we are just now achieving with lasers. Okay, that's similar to what I heard. I remember yeah. just being like one side of this is like, if you pulled this out in knots, you would be like blown away that like these four sides are all, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how to put together, you know, uh, a Ravel model at this point. So anything, but 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 you know what I mean? Like there's, there, was, there was something to it. Now, if you're out there, you would you be utilizing modern means 
would you be doing it all on your own or would you get Jason to help? What would you do? No, that's the thing about having a billion dollars. You would try to build a limestone pyramid on the playa using ancient methods. Mm-hmm. Ancient methods, which the I old think ways. We, we'd reverse engineer. We would discover how to do it by doing it. So you, first you build it and then figure out how it got built. And now you know what to make. I think what you'd have is a bunch of people out there and, and they'd be like, oh, there's got to be a better way. And then human ingenuity would rediscover the ancient ways. Mm-hmm. And then we would be able, then we'd go, we'd see the tool marks. We'd go, oh, it was this all along. Uh, that's what I think would happen. And then not only would I be building a pyramid to myself that, to last uh, 2,000 years, but I yes. would also be doing the doing <laughs> That's twice science. as long as Hitler. <laughs> well, or 4,000 years. Those things are 5,000 years old, those great pyramids. Yeah. I, 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 would you do it all between two Burning's men? Or would it be something <laughs> where people would come there? Because like, I don't know a lot about it. I've seen the layout. There's a man. And there's all that kind of stuff, and people on bikes with, with yeah. s- s- steampunk goggles. You yeah, know. that's right. You've Hakuna Matata, that's all fine. But like, do you, do you see like they show up year one, and like you've laid down the footprint? Like, or would you think you could get it done stem to stern? You got a billion dollars, so you could just yeah. throw 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 uh, throw drachmas at it. I think you know one of my one of my core competencies mm-hmm. is to Tom Sawyer people into painting my fence, hmm. and uh, worked, worked the, on me. Yeah, well, hmm. the other day, uh, I got a I got a text message uh, from Megan Jasper, the the CEO of Sub Pop. She is the person who uh, who coined swinging on the flippity flop back when she was the receptionist at Sub Pop. Oh, wow. You remember you remember the wax slacks and the and uh, all that all that grunge slang that the New York Times wrote an article about. <laughs> And then it turned out she was just sitting at her desk making oh, it Oh, that is really? Is that true? Did, have you ever that, heard that story? No, I haven't. Yeah. In she, 19- she's the one who came up with, oh, wait, yeah. hang on. This is a very old story. Yes. And like, and, but it turned out it was all like, you know, like the way people make up like fake names for street drugs to try and That's like scare grownups, that kind That's of thing. That's what it was. She was sitting at her desk, the phone rang. flop. I've heard and you so, say that. Yeah, swinging on the flippity flop. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm calling from the New York Times. We're doing an article on grunge. Uh, can you tell us any of the like grunge slang terms?" And she said, "Oh yeah, there's lots of grunge slang terms. Oh like, uh, like when somebody's got on really lame pants, we call them wax slacks." <laughs> and uh, you know, when, but like trying to like to just touch on that sort of white guy uh, hipster jazzbo. Hipster like, jazzbos, yeah, right, right. Like not not exactly like a, um, but like an early '60s like guy in a sweater vest playing bongos kind of shit. Exactly, and yeah. it, and and the far New York out Times, man, the, the New York Times writer. Uh, <laughs> did not do their fact checking, mm. and uh, and they published this article. And I think Megan, as she was doing it, uh, just thought, I mean, you know, because that was the, that was the idea of grunge and of our it could have been generation. Culture, culture jamming, yeah, which was just like uh, go fuck yourself, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and so let's see what some of the other ones were like. Uh, harsh realm. Oh, uh, that's good. Right? A, a, a loser was a cobnobbler. Um, lame stain. You know, all these things. And we ended up, it, during that period, we ended up just using all these terms because mm-hmm. it was so hilarious. Just, Why wouldn't we, you? They're beautiful. We, we were rolling in the aisles. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Megan then uh, went from Sub Pop receptionist to now CEO of Sub Pop. Wow. And so uh, she texted me and said... 
hey, we're having this uh, benefit show for uh, the children's hospital here. Uh, what would you think about uh, uh, the long winters playing? And I said, well, there's no long winters anymore. Uh, the, uh, not that the band isn't still a band, but just that none of them live in Seattle. It would be very hard for me to get a band together to play. And this is like a month away. Right. It's, it's not, I mean, it's one thing for you to show up and do three or four, like a, like a, like your mall opening. That's yeah. one thing. But to like try and get like a four piece with parts together would be a trick. It'd be really hard, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, that's sweet of you to ask. And she did the thing where she was like, I'm just, you know what? I, I'm, I want to do it for the kids, but I'm also just saying this as a fan. I sure. just really loved it. And I was like, oh, really? As a fan? I don't remember Sub Pop being massively... Uh, like enthralled by the long winters back in 2002, but okay. What's the guy's name? Jonathan. Jonathan Poneman. Yeah. And, and you put your, you put your feet on his yeah, desk. The old feet serves. on the desk. That was in that stranger article, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I so I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Well, about, about two hours later, uh-huh. I get another text message this time from Pete Nordstrom, president of the Nordstrom, uh, store, mm-hmm. which you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. And Pete is your age. He's my age. He's our age. But he's um, he's running the family business, and he loves rock and roll. Wow. And Pete writes, and he says, <clears throat> hey, what about uh, the Long Winters playing the smoosh benefit for the children's hospital? And I said, yeah, Megan asked already, and there's no band, but it's really sweet of you guys to ask. And he said, you know, I would lo- I'm doing it for the kids, but I really am doing it as a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm, really, I'm really a fan. He should have the- to tell you how many people turned him down before he got <laughs> it. Well, and I was, like, I was like, all the great shows, eh? Mm-hmm. Name one. Name one show. Um, <laughs> but, but then... You know, I find being confrontational with people who, who claim to like me can be a very effective strategy. It's great. It's great. You find out real quickly how much they really like you. And he writes back and says, oh, you need a band? Hmm. Why don't, uh, why don't I play bass? Hmm. And I said, can he sing? Oh, I don't know. I've seen him play bass and he's a good bass player. Okay. And I said, you know, this is like, I don't know. I'm still in bed at this point. And I said, perhaps ill-advisedly, oh, geez. hey, Pete Nordstrom, <laughs> if you want to put a band together oh, and learn all the Long Winters songs, I will show up in a cape and sunglasses <laughs> and sing the shit out of it. But they would they would go and put all that together. You would say, okay, this one's, uh, you know, car parts is in C. Like, right, you would, you would like give them all the basics. And I don't then, even know if I'd do that. I'd say, you can find our music on Spotify. Yeah, but like, what? you don't want to have to use a capo. Well, You're I, not a monster. What, what I said to him was, I don't want to touch a guitar at all. That's right. You have a cape. So you would come out there. I'm going to come out with a cape, a cigarette and a cigarette holder, sunglasses. <laughs> and I'm going to say, hello, hello, Children's Hospital. Hello, Children's Hospital. Hello, this is- Sponge? What's it called? Splurge? Splurge. I go ahead, you know, hit it, boys. Two, three, four. And so I'm thinking, you know, because I'm at this point at, you know, at peak fuck you. Like I said, I didn't want to do it or I said I couldn't do it. I want to do it for the kids. And also I'm a huge fan. But but uh, but no, I don't want to do any work here. Uh, That seems crazy. 
But if you're willing to do the work, I mean, it's basically like saying, yeah, I'll do it for $20,000. Well, he writes me back and he's like, I'm putting the band together. Hmm. And I was like, all right, okay, fine. Do you get first right refusal for people you have a grudge with? Well, that's exactly right. There's like probably that. a lot of drummers you don't want up there. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Most of the Seattle drummers are, or, or, I mean, like, there's only like three drummers in Seattle, right? And I've been in bands with all of them. It was like a Rusty? Who, who's the guy that was in everything? Yeah, Smokey. Smokey, no, Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who am I thinking of? Wasn't there a guy that was in like the posies and the fastbacks? Yeah, Musburger. 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 And like when you look at the, 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 I haven't looked at this in 20 years probably, but there used to be, I think on a, a website possibly conducted by fastbacks, there was a pie graph of yeah. how long people had been drummers in the band. Yeah. 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 And Musburger's been in every band, right? He's played he's played a show with the Long Winners. He played with us at at Doe Bay, but he's also a good friend. Was he, it Brian he, somebody to play drums for you? Uh, we've had a lot of like on the front, on the first two right? Wasn't wasn't there somebody from Posies playing drums? Oh oh no, Brian Brian was in the Posies, but he's also the drummer of Fountains of Wayne, and he played on half of the first record. Yeah. Woof! Fountains of Wayne drummer, and he's amazing, Brian. Oh my god. But so I might come to this, or at least I'd watch a live stream of it. <laughs> so the, <laughs> See next you in a thing, cape. the next thing I get is a text message from Mike Squires. Okay. And Mike Squires says, Mike, Mike, just I'm sorry for our listeners. Mike Squires played on what? Putting the days to bed. Mike Squires played the guitar on our first record on one song, mm -hmm. uh, "The Scent of Lime." He's the he's the guitar player that goes boom boom bow wow 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 that's a great boom 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 boom, and then he also played on I think Sky is Open maybe a couple couple of songs on that. I've seen some footage of that where it got a little rocky at times. Well, it happens. He's also he's also Jason. I I used to credit this to Jason, and Jason reminds me it's not Jason, it's it's Mike who who was who's a current former Marine, right? Yeah, he was in the Marines. And, and he's the one who says feelings are real. That's Mike Squires. Mike Squires says feelings are real. Mike Squires is the one who told me that I deserve unenjoyment. Mm -hmm. Mike Squires uh, texts me. He says, I just got a text from Pete Nordstrom. <laughs> they shouldn't involve you in this. They should be able to just conduct this among themselves, and you just show up with your, with your, with your cape wrangler. Well, so what Mike says is, why the hell did you go to Pete Nordstrom? I would have done all this, and I would have done, I would have put this band together, you know, out of real parts instead of out of, uh, out of department store magnates. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have, you know, I would have gotten yeah. Mike Musburger. And I said, look, I'm not putting this together. I was just, I'm still in bed for Christ's sake. I'm, you know, I'm playing solitaire. And this is I'm, why you should never take calls from people. I should not. I should mm -hmm. have my phone on. Do this not. This is what disturb. happens. Calls just lead to more calls. So Mike says, Pete called me and he wants me to be the music director of putting the new Long Winters together, except Pete's already chosen the drummer and himself and a guy who's just going to sing the Sean Nelson parts. Okay. Uh, but now he wants me to, to be, be the Paul Schaefer to do all the stuff. Right. Yeah. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he said, and Are you, do you find at this juncture you're suddenly starting to notice you may have opinions about elements of this no because i'm doing the other thing i'm doing i'm just are you I'm, really that are you able to do that well these days right i'm just moonwalking out of the room like you guys listen i'm the my name's paul and this is between y'all you tell me when it's done 
And so within 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 two hours, Mike's got Mike sent me a set list. He's got a he's got a list of songs we're gonna cover. He's like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get all those guys in a room. I'm gonna practice them until they get the stuff. Well, you're gonna have to show up at one point. And I was like, meh. Mm. And he said, and this is this is when I knew the bullshit level had reached the apogee. Mm-hmm. He said, Look, man, the way you play guitar, it's just not duplicatable. Mm-hmm. No one can play guitar like you, and so it's not going to sound right if you don't play guitar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nobody can play guitar like me. This is the ultimate, mm-hmm. like, I'm a huge fan. I've also seen footage of you giving him extremely specific details on how to make his part sound more like, if memory serves, <laughs> ACDC. <laughs> I seem to remember very specifically which one is a bow down, bow, 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 bow. Is yeah, it departure? Yeah. I think it was departure, where you were trying to explain that no, you were like, no, this needs to sound more like Angus more, Young. More like Angus Young, not less. And yeah. he's just I'm hating, Malcolm. I'm Malcolm, you're Angus. He's hating my gut so bad at that point. <laughs> yes. But I yes. have but now it's the opposite. Now I'm like, wow. I don't want anything to do with it. And he's like, the problem is where where you think the one is and where you write all your songs where the one is doesn't make any sense to anybody else in the world. And so if you're not standing there going, here's the one, we're never going to know where it is. And the song is going to sound like, uh, like a bunch of people throwing cardboard boxes down a a recycling (laughs) chute. And so he's got it all figured out now so that I have to be there for the last three practices or something. Well, that's but I starting ha- to turn into a real jam up, isn't I it? I know. And I also have to play guitar at the show otherwise. But he said, don't worry about it. I'll get everybody else up to speed. We'll all know all the parts mm-hmm. and stuff. That's good. Well, then about a, about a day after that, this is yesterday, I guess, he, uh, he texts me and, he's, and he says, how the fuck did you... Tom Sawyer me into doing all this. And I said, I didn't do anything. No, that's, that's not entirely fair. I said, I'm still in bed. It's been four days. I haven't gotten out of bed this whole time. I just keep getting DoorDash donuts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't done anything. I didn't Tom Sawyer anybody. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. And he's like, I'm sitting over here thinking about the long winter show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not. (laughs) This is very stressful. Well, but so December 2nd in Seattle, I'm going to, there's good. Yeah. December 2nd in December Seattle, 2nd, right. long winters live with, uh, with, uh, Pete Nordstrom on bass and Mike Squires on guitar and, uh, some other people that are kind of yet to be, uh, exactly firmed up. I think. Okay. I'm not sure if I know the names of all the other people in the band, hmm. but they're all going to be really good. And then I, at some point, I'm going to have to find a guitar lying around here somewhere that that has. No, that now, Kane. Now you're just saying silly things. <laughs> you still got that Rick, right? Yeah, there are guitars all over. All right. They're 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 thick on the ground, but but that's the. I think the key is the less control i try to exert over things the more i can just sort of stare out the window and think and think um happy thoughts Mm. that would represent a shift from the past yes yes Yes. i mean i'm not trying to like pick a fight here but like it's your band it's always been your band that's whatever it's called it's your stuff it's your music you're the as President Bush used to say the decider. 
but like you you really do have to like uh, jokes are leaving the room for just a second you really would have to sort of let go and let god or let go and let mike it does feel at a certain point that when you after your band is 20 years old, that the music belongs to the public domain. And, you know, if I were in the, if I were in the, it feels uh, that way in residuals. If I were in the Aquabats, okay. it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I was on stage or not. You just put another guy up there with the Aquabats hat on. If I was in the, uh, the upper crust, you just put another, I think you're just making these up at this point. <laughs> I think, I mm-hmm. think, uh, are these all that, bands that dress the same? Yeah, they all like put the Bo on, Brummels. They put yeah the Bo Brummels. They all put on the outfits. You can you can yeah. uh, you franchise them. You get like six Aquabats going at a time. That's what they did with the Temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Temptations East, Temptations West. I think that's how ZZ Top got started. Ow, ow, ow. So, uh, but you know, the music belongs to the people now. Yes, Marilyn. that's it's true. Not, it's not up to me. It it's lives been, in our heart. It lives in our heart. When I when I met the the woman from the Beths. She said, oh, yeah, you did the song from, uh, yeah. from my brother my brother and me. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, but, it, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Well, she it nice, to her. she was nice. Oh, she was, well, you know, they were tired, oh. but they did were get all to talk to the guitar nice. player? I really like him too. I think, I think they might be dating now. We all, we all spent a lot of time. They were very nice to my daughter. We, we had oh, a nice little. Oh, that's so nice. You know, that's my son's favorite band. I do know that. Okay. You have good. told me. All right. Uh, and, and so we were all in line at the, at the, at the buffet. So we're all standing there with, um, with trays that have little milk cartons on them and we're getting, you know, like some, some hot, hot buns and we're talking about rock and roll. So that's the kind of best, that's the best kind of situation where you're meeting somebody you admire is like, uh, in line at a, at a, at like a, a grade school buffet. Yeah. Yeah. So but, you're you're not forgotten. Well, and the thing is, you're, I, you're remembered in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, which is saying something. I feel like if uh, if I show up and the and this band sounds even remotely like the Long Winters, that's way better than no Long Winters. It's way better than than this show, where and honestly, I think better than me standing there with an acoustic guitar, going, "Hey, everybody, you know, if you like the show, rattle your rattle your paddle." Uh, and donate some money to the children. Uh, <laughs> They'll be auctioning during, like people have like a little ping pong paddle. I think there's, I think the point And I said, because um, a couple of people have asked like, well, are they paying you? And I was like, no, it's for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I thought back to that article I wrote for the Seattle Weekly where I was like, benefit shows are just uh, situations where you, have the band pay their money to the to the uh, charity. Mm-hmm. No one else is giving any money. The people that are buying tickets to it are just spending a ticket money to see a show. Yeah, it's yeah. just the band that's giving. It's them like how when people are running a, a race for charity, they never let you just give them money. You still got to yeah. go through the whole thing and sponsor no. miles. And it's like, is you sure that's why we're doing this? No, we just let me give you. You trust this guy. You trust this Nordstrom fellow, right? Well, so then somebody else said. Actually, last year at the smoosh benefit, because I'm sitting there like, no, they're not paying us. I would never ask, but it's just like they're going to raise 15 grand for the kids, and that's fine. Uh, And somebody said, actually, last year at the smoosh benefit, smooch benefit, they raised like two and a half million dollars. Oh, man. And I said, what? That'd be nice to be part of. 
They said it's a paddle raise and it's a room full of rich people. Sure. And I said, oh, the paddle raise. And I think the Nordstrom family matches donations or something like that. It's a big money event. And so, you know what, Merlin? I'm just happy to be invited. I'm happy to be there. I'm just happy to be a part of this. Maybe you are now. That's you. Yeah. So you got two. Wait, what is this? Oh, so it's a, about a month. What is this? November? Yeah. Oh, Jiminy! It's less than a month now. It sure is. Oh my goodness! W- will you keep us up to date if you choose to? Will you keep oh, us up to date sure. on how this is going? Oh, for sure. For See, sure. I find it a little hard to believe you're just gonna you're just gonna roll up and you know w- with a ca- with a cape. That's the that's well. I can't. I have I have to have a cape and a guitar now because apparently my guitar style cannot be duplicated. Mm-hmm. But other than that. And oh, and then and here's what Mike said. He was like, "If you had let me set this up, I would have repaired all the bridges between you and all of the strange bandmates." Let you. This is not your project. And I said, "It's nothing to do with me. You could still That's do right. that." You, he, I said, "You could still repair all those bridges if you really think you can do so." And he was like, "What if there were three different groups of long winners and you guys just all let them let them fight it out? Like you could perform with each one of them." Oh, cage match. But, well, but think about this. Think about this. Oh, I'm going to go see like you remember Beatlemania. Uh, which, by the way, you know Marshall Crenshaw was in Beatlemania. Did you know that? The movie Beatlemania. No, no. In the touring group in the 70s. There was a group oh. called Beatlemania. And uh, yeah, Marshall Crenshaw played John Lennon in, in Beatlemania on stage. I but, did not know that. Yeah, yeah. But like the idea was you go and you see, or like, you know, Christ- <laughs> famously like Crystal Ship, like does Doors covers or whatever. Like, But mm-hmm. it would be kind of interesting. Uh, so for some reason, it's also reminding me of a story from Spin Magazine in 1986, where Sterling Morrison had gone to a contest for people doing covers of, of uh, Sweet Jane, and he left after an hour because he couldn't stand it anymore. He just, he just couldn't be around that much Sweet Jane. He had to go. <laughs> Sweet Jane! Mm. Oh, but Sterling was still in the band for Sweet Jane. He was... Well, uh, Sterling was, and they had the Yules probably at that point. Yep, yeah, they did, yeah. But, you know, Kale, Kale bounced. Yes, he had. I that just watched the documentary. Talented. I love uh, I John just, Kale. You know that, that Paris 1919 album? That's a very fucking good record. Um, you know that one song is, that dun, 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 she's a ghost? You know that song? You know that song I'm talking about? I'll send it to yeah. you. He's, he's really an interesting guy, and I think he might be Welsh. Uh, uh, John Kale is Welsh, yes. Yes, and I think he played the viola. He did. He did. He was a very trained musician, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I think Lou Reed was threatened by. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, Lou Reed was a little bit tough to deal with. I heard he could sometimes be a handful. I think Laurie Anderson would be the first one to tell you. You know, the other day I, w- I was on Instagram. I, I, I really feel like um, we should get off the internet, you and I both, and just never go back there. But I was on the Instagram and I said, um, What's the deal with hot dog buns and hot dogs? <laughs> Why? Why someone six and some come in eight? I said, I said, how how come nobody's ever talking about this? Has anybody else noticed this? And uh, and I got like uh, like fifty really sincere replies. Like, oh, that's ha- worse. Like, are, are you not aware, John, that that there this was a plot point in the Steve Martin film Father of the Bride? Yeah. And then somebody else was like. Um, I think people are talking about. I think, I think pe- if anybody's had pre-algebra would know you just need to buy 48 of everything. And then no, everything's, di- everything's divisible. <laughs> Every once in a while, there was someone that said, uh, what's the deal with airplane food? Am I right? Like somebody that was at least communicating. It's on Instagram, uh, you say. It's in Blue Sky. You're, you're over on Instagram. Instagram, and then it went and it poured it over to Facebook where, you know, you might expect a few more of these guys. But I was astonished 
at the earnestness. Oh, yeah. People are earnest on Mastodon, too. It's really sweet. It's sweet, but at the same time, like, am I I so little known in the world? Is the world so obtuse that I can say, what's the deal with hot dog buns? Which was just some hack. I was just look. I was sitting. Mm-hmm. I was sitting. I was waiting in line at the DMV, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll post something really dumb, yeah, like really dumb," and and just realizing, like, no, this is this is authentic engagement. I got, um, I got, you know, my usual. This happened. Number of- this happened to me a couple weeks ago, and this is. I'm not going to go on about this forever, but but sometimes you know uh, people like to bring their own joke. Or they like to bring their own sincerity, and mm-hmm. and I said something on the internet, which is I said I, w- I wonder if this is the year that I that I find out. Um, I think what I said specifically was I f- maybe this is the year I find out what dew point is, because oh. I never know what dew point is, and, and you know actually I have looked it up, but I thought it'd be a funny joke to say, and then a couple yeah. people made a joke and wet bulb because wet bulb is a very funny phrase, but then there well, were other people who were like oh, let me Google that for you. <laughs> And, and, but, and there was this, of course, I, I, cause I'm, I've grown as a person yeah. Yeah. and like, you didn't immediately block them. Mm, no, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's different over there. People are nicer over there, but like, no, but it is one of those things where it's like, oh man, like I, I, I must be getting really bad at this. Cause I don't even think people know which parts to joke anymore. Yeah. Right. Did, I, did anybody I, I mean, if I just you? completely that, well, you know, it, it happens, but of course my favorite is somebody comes in and, and plays along with the original joke rather than, you know, kind of bringing their own or talking about their dead grandmother or something, oh, you dear. know, oh, she loved, she loved hot dog buns. She was such a sweet lady. What I'm hoping is that this ship of Theseus uh, issue with the long winters, like how much of a long winters <laughs> does it have to be in a long winters for it to be the long winters? Right, right. Is there a long winters that doesn't have me in it that is still the long winters? Okay, so That's now we are getting into maybe not the Velvet Underground. Well, actually, maybe yeah. I Doug think Yule there was a the yeah. There was a V. I don't know if they called it, but like there's ones. Here, here, can I tell you what I'm thinking of specifically? There's a bunch of bands where that's happened. Where I mean, look at your friends in Pink Floyd, right? Yeah, right. Roger Waters. There's still, yeah, there's still some original members of Pink Floyd. Yeah, but like I'll I'll pick seeing somebody live. I'll take Dave Gilmore any day. Thank you very much. Any day. Any. I do not like Roger Waters. I don't. I think he's bad. No, but he's here's the other one. Do you remember this? Um, there's a band I loved. Uh, I learned about in college. It became one of my favorite bands. A band from England called Wire, and they had three albums in the late '70s that were at once kind of punk, but also the kind of the beginnings of post-punk. And Wire was really interesting. And then in 1986, they had kind of a comeback. Um, you know, Bell is a Cup Until It Struck. Um, Kidney Bingo's, that single was out, remember? Probably on 120 Minutes. Yep, and, I remember. But what was really cool was they're such an interesting band. For one thing, when the four guys in Wire, uh, one of the guys, I think the drummer, um, didn't want to do it anymore. They changed the name of the band to W-I-R, which I think is kind of cool, where they're like, you know, we're not Wire anymore. Now we're Weir or whatever. We're Weir, yeah. But you know what they did? They hired a band, an opening band, to do like note perfect covers of you know chairs missing and pink flag and you know what i mean so they they had an opening band that played their old songs which then they felt like played them great that would then freed them up to play that's the stuff they wanted to play and so what i could do is hire a band to play the Mm -hmm. long winters music and then i get up and play just blues jams (laughs) with a bottleneck slide (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make a pyramid in the middle of Rocktown. Based on what you just said, Merlin, I hereby, I hereby will, I I am committing now to doing at least one song on the slide guitar. 
Hmm, let me think about that. Does one jump to mind for you? Well, we'll find out. It's not your gig. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, nobody can play the guitar like me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everything goes flawlessly. I hope there's not equipment problems. And I hope this doesn't take you off the pyramid, because that's your legacy. Thanks, Merlin. Would you be buried at Burning Man in the end? Well, maybe it's not Burning Man anymore. Whatever that place is called. What's it called? What's it called? What's it really called? It's called something city, right? Slab City. No, that's a different It's place. called something. But anyway. Mud City. Mud City. Like, but yours would be, anyway. Would you oh, be buried in your was, pyramid? No, they would burn me. It's right there in the They would burn you? On top of my own pyramid. While you're playing slide guitar. <laughs> 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 and you know this also I don't want to get too into it we can't say this publicly but that also really does open the possibility of this becoming a literal pyramid scheme for you you could probably use a side hustle at this point hello maybe you get to help oh speaking of Tom Sawyer maybe you get to help would you like Tom to help get your eye on you no wait, now what was what was the um uh, yeah well, no it was it was Spirit of Radio yeah no that you guys used to play at Soundcheck right yeah like Eric Eric and like Nabil would Eric play Eric Nabil would play it yeah they would kill, oh, they would kill it I'm maybe just saying. oh wait a minute maybe we will get an opening band that just plays the Rush songs that my band used to play during Soundcheck or it's people <laughs> dressed up like Rush doing wire covers. <laughs> <laughs> He lies on his side as he trying to lie. <laughs> who's, that, who's that big guy in the cape with the cigarette? <laughs> I think that used to be John Roderick. <laughs> Could you come out on a rascal scooter? <laughs> You're going to see it. You're going to see it all. 